Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Danny Gobi Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is back on pay-per-view this weekend. UFC 272 live from Las Vegas. We got Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal in the Bad Blood grudge match. We, of course, will be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card, as well as giving you an underdog and a parlay to play, all part of our favorite segment, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Plus, we'll be bringing you interviews with two of the fighters on the card. First, I'll be talking to Maria Agapova as she gets ready for her fight with Marina Mraz, another bad blood fight, should I mention. And a little bit later on, we'll be talking to Tim Elliott as he gets ready for his fight with Tagir Ulambakov. But before we get to any of that great content, I do have to remind you that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights analysis and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas where you can browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there, you can check out my bonus pick for this week, which you can only get on the Top Turtle MMA page at betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me now is Maria Agapova, who fights Marina Mraz at UFC 272. That fight is on March 5th. So before we start talking about that fight, Maria, I wanted to ask you about your last win. You know, you had kind of a rough loss in the UFC to Shannon Dobson, and you bounced back with this amazing win over Sabina Mazo, win by rear naked choke with good boxing in there. How did it feel to, to kind of come back from that tough loss? Yeah, of course, when you lost and lost like this, it was first knockout in my life. Of course, it was very hard to come back, even start training. It was very hard to watch this fight, learn my own mistakes. But I was have to do this. I have to watch this fight. I have to analyze my mistakes. I have to realize why it happened. So what mistake I was done to this bring me to this results. And I did big work on mistakes. Also, I changed a lot of teams. Like, I was changing three teams, and finally I found Roger at sunrise, and we started working. And I came to his gym, like, literally six weeks before fight with Sabina Mother. And for six weeks, he bring me to great shape. And I was able to win, even, like, make knockout. And it's all thank you to Roger, because he helped me a lot. During this camp, he found for me nutritionist, conditioning, like discounts on supplements and everything. He found for me everything. He make my conditioning on this camp comfortable as possible. And he was helping me a lot and supporting me. Also, Roger, he calmed down my anxiety and he gave me a great plan for this fight and I was able to win. So thank you so much to him, and hopefully we're going to win my next fight too. 
And, and you mentioned in there both both conditioning and a little bit of your anxiety when it comes to fighting. Were, were those kind of the big things you felt like you needed to correct, that, that you just needed to be a little bit more calm and, and a little bit more composed? Yeah, of course, because during the fight you have to be calm, because if you're not calm, like, it's nothing going to work if you're not calm. You have to be calm, you have to be patient like assassin, you know. Like, if you're not going to be calm, like, you, you just waste all your energy. Because when you're not calm, it's even kind of hard to fight. Because you feel pressure on all your body, and that's really hard to fight when you like this. It's better to calm down and be cold in your mind. And Roger helped me a lot with this. Like, Roger helped, helped me calm down before my fights. But all fighters dealing with anxiety before fights, that's normal. We everyone dealing with this because before you go into cage, you understand that a lot of people watching, it will be on TV, and you just worried, and that's normal. Everyone experiences it. It just depends how you deal with it. Absolutely. I love that message. Now, I do want to ask, too, you know, you, you're a relatively new fighter in the UFC. You know, you only have three fights. And that Sabino Mazo fight won you a performance bonus, your second ever Tell me a little bit about, did, did you have plans for the $50,000 or was it just nice to have, you know, a little bit of extra money laying around when you needed it? Yeah, of course, that's very nice because I spent this money to my life in America. I paying for rent, I paying for my car, for gas. Also, I was able to help my relatives and friends in Kazakhstan because, you know, in Kazakhstan, people work for 300 a month. Like my mother, my sister, they all not get enough money. And I send this money back to my relatives in Kazakhstan, to my friends who need help. And I help in my people in Kazakhstan because in Kazakhstan, you're not allowed earning such a big money, you know, like you just can't. It's no place you can do this. And it's how Kazakhstan is. And having this big money that helps a lot me and my family survive in Kazakhstan. And for me, like, life in America, very good. I like it, and it's much better than life in Kazakhstan. Well, it's great that you're able to help out your family, and it's great that that bonus came at that time. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about this fight with Marina Mraz, because it's an interesting one, both in stylistic matchup. You know, we're interested in seeing both of you fight, but also... You know, Mraz has not been very, you know, has not said very nice things about you to the media, to people around. Does that give you extra motivation going into the fight? How, how do you deal with that mentally? Mm, yeah, of course. That's the first time in my life I fight someone who I not really like. And that reminded me something like fight after school, you know, when you don't <laughs> like someone in school and you say to him, hey, let's fight after school. And you all go together and fight after school. So this fight reminded me something like fight after school <laughs> with person <laughs> who you don't like. And that's funny because I was done it a lot in my childhood. And after I become professional fighter, like I always experience respect and for my opponent's respect. And that's it. And for this opponent, I not feel really much respect. <laughs> but I think that can be fun. But I also think that might be bad with my emotion because I, that even Marina, she trying to say even now a lot of negativity to make me hate her, make me want to punch her heart and waste all my energy. That's what she wants. That's why I trying to not play this game. I trying to not be emotional. I trying to be calm, cold my mind, 
and I just go do my job and hopefully after I win I already say something bad to her but before I win I don't think I'm gonna do this I should just be calm and ignore all her negativity and critique in my address I I love that mentality. Now, I have to ask too, you, you said you feel like she's doing that just to get you riled up. Do you, do you feel like that's that that's been a plan of hers ahead of time that she's just trying to get you kind of off your game? Yeah, she's trying to get me off my game and trying to bring me to her game because she knows that I'm kind of aggressive person and it's very easy get me to aggression and if i go to aggression way like i become in like little bit not concerned myself and she understands it and yeah she trying to drive me crazy like this trying to make me angry mad so i lost control and go fight her crazy and waste all my energy yeah that's what she wants and i think that's not kind of confidence because she not fight two years like, we don't know what shape she is, and 100% she not feel confident about this fight. That's why she talk all the shit, that's why she trying to try me crazy, because if she feel really good and confident about this fight, she just not going to say anything. She just wait until the fight, like like I do right now. But she trying to say something, trying to drive me crazy, like trying to make me aggressive, and that's, I don't think that. Act, action of strong person. I don't think that strong person action. That she just showing her weakness, and that's it. I I love that. Now I, I want to ask you too because UFC 272 is going to be in front of a very large live audience in the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. All of your fights in the UFC so far have been in the Apex. It's it's been in the that yeah. small setting. You know, you also fought in the Contender Series in the Apex. So like you're used to. As far as the UFC goes, really small arenas. This is going to be your first time in front of a really large crowd in in three years. What's that like for you? Yeah, that's very like I'm very worried about it. That's why I came like three weeks before my fight to Vegas to get adjust to weather. Also, like I get nutritionist to this camp. Like I did a lot of work. Like it was a lot of discipline. I just want to make sure my camp going good everything will be perfect so i can perform good because yeah all these people who will watch fights they make me nervous they make me anxious and i don't want to fight bad across of them i don't want they see me bad fighter that's why i trying to prepare as much as i can strong like be 100 percent good shape to have good performance across of all these people, to not make them upset, <laughs> because I know that they bet in money, and when you lose, they lose money too, and they get upset, and after they send in you evil messages, and I don't want it, you know, I want to make sure I win this fight, and people will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's certainly a, one one good motivating factor. Now, but before I let any of my fighters go, I always like to try to get a prediction. How do you see this one ending on March 5th? Uh, honestly, I don't know. You know, Marina, yeah, of course, she's bitch, but, like, opponent, she's strong. And I think it's only one her chance for her is submit me or drive me crazy and make me tired. I think that's only one way she can win. But I not let her do this. Like, I will follow my plan. We have plan with Roger, with my coach, and we will follow this plan. And hopefully we will win her and like 
all bad things that I want to do to her, hopefully I will do this March 5th. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this is Marina Mar- or this is Maria Agapova who fights Marina Miraz at UFC 272. That fight is on March 5th. Maria, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the interview. You have a good day. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Maria Agapova. I, once again, am Dan Newgumby Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start here. We are at a very weird part in the UFC schedule where we are getting a pay-per-view headliner. One of the only couple of times this has happened in the last few years, we are getting a pay-per-view headliner headlined by a non-title fight. This one between Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. I want your opinion how hyped are people on Jorge Masvidal versus Colby Covington? This is an interesting one, because if there was ever a headline for a non-title match, they've picked the two right guys, okay? Because with Usman being, you know, a potential GOAT at welterweight, we'll see how that goes for the next few fights, uh, if he can equal or surpass GSP. But with Usman being the dominant champion that he is, Masvidal and Colby have become the stars of the division who will probably never have a title just because they existed in the era of Usman. And I mean that more for Colby because I think Colby would be a champion if there was no uh, Usman. I can't say the same for Jorge Masvidal, but there is no mistaking the fact that Jorge Masvidal is a massive star. Uh, ever since the Ben Askren knockout and then throwing gasoline on the fire with having a matchup against Nate Diaz for the bullshit BMF title and The Rock putting it on his waist, Masvidal is a household name. So the UFC, if they were going to have a card that didn't have a title fight, they did the right thing by matching these two guys up. And, you know, if you're a mark and you buy into the whole former friends now feuding angle this had success written all over it, but here we are, Gumby, a few days out. Ticket sales not going great. Google searches, apparently, not as high as you'd think they'd be. So I can't even remember your initial question, but, yeah, maybe this doesn't sell as well, and maybe it's because fans have become conditioned to title fights, main eventing, uh, pay-per-views. What do you think? I think that's possible. I think there's also a chance that it could pick up by the end of the week. Um, I, I think some of that had to do with... You know, there there was a missing co-main event for a very short moment there, which we'll talk about in a second, and now that's fixed, and it's a pretty damn good fight still. So there's other fights on the card. But I will say, I, I think you're right on saying these are the two right guys. While, you know, my Twitter is filled with people's takes that are like, what a shitty main event. Like, why would anybody buy this? This will sell like crap. The thing about my Twitter is my Twitter is mostly filled with people who are going to watch it no matter what. And in the people who they need to convince, like you said, are the, are the marks that buy Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington's beef for the, the people who think Jorge Masvidal is the biggest draw out there. And, you know, it doesn't have to convince some of us hardcore fans that uh, they, that this is a good fight. But turns out, I think at the end of the day, I think we're going to see those numbers go way up. Yeah, you know, I do have to bring up one other point, though, which is that these are two guys who basically ran into a black hole in Usman that sucked up all their light in a lot of ways. So the only thing I could say, if we're sitting here next week and we're going over, you know, an early buy rate that looks less than ideal for the UFC, I might point to the fact that Usman kind of beat the crap out of both of them multiple times. Um, you know, obviously I know the Colby fights were closer, 
but you are matching up guys, neither of whom could beat the champ. So, you know, I think the fight has a little less luster if it maybe happened before the second Colby rematch, or certainly before Usman sent Jorge Masvidal to the frickin' underworld in their rematch. Had this fight happened before both of those Usman rematches, or even just one of them, I feel like there might be a little more juice to them. I think you're probably right about that. I, I think, and I've said this before they booked Colby Covington too, and Jorge Masvidal too, that I thought they were terrible career moves for both Colby and Jorge Masvidal because like they basically didn't give themselves any fights to build themselves back up. They they didn't give themselves any chance to, to fix some of the problems that they had. I mean, in Jorge Masvidal's case, there wasn't even a fight in between for him. Usman fought again and he didn't, which is crazy. Um, And same with Colby is like, he fought Tyron Woodley and that was it. So and losing to somebody twice can be such a nail in your coffin, especially with hype. But with that being said, neither of their bases were ever really about them being the greatest ever, right? Like, especially in the case of Jorge Masvidal. I don't think anybody was like, Jorge Masvidal is a goat. They just love that he has crazy knockout power. So I don't know how much of that goes away with it. Plus, 90% of Colby Covington fans are still convinced he won one of those two fights. So, uh... Maybe a little bit of the luster gone, but I don't know that he's beaten the luster off of both of them. Um, well, let's actually get into the breakdown then, because we're about to talk about how they've looked in their past few fights, uh, which is actually not that pretty. So let's get into it. It's uh, Fights, Dogs, Parlays, our favorite segment on the show for UFC 272. <coughs> I'm actually dying right now and losing my voice. So Gumby, please tell us if anyone sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fight Stars and Parlays is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. Check out Nickels over on Instagram at 55DoubleNickels55. My guy's going to send you five picks each and every morning from the world of the NBA, NHL, MLB, if it does get started, tennis and MMA. And I'm not lying when you, I'm telling you, he's hitting almost five every single day. And if not, he's hitting four of them. And unlike all those other guys trying to get you to tail their picks, he's giving you far more than that. He hits you with tips and insights that consistently put him at the front of the game. And with prices that never exceed 10 bucks a day and go as low as four bucks a Today, there's no reason not to give him a try. Plus, if you mention our podcast when you sign up, tell him Gumby and Shockwave sent you. He's going to hit you with a 10% discount. Don't delay. That's at 55 double nickels 55 on Instagram. All right. Well, we've teased it a little bit. Let's get to it. Colby Covington is the favorite here as well. He should be at minus 335 against Jorge Mazadal, the plus 260 dog. I myself see this going much the same way that uh, Jorge Mazadal's first fight with Kamaru Usman went, which is that Colby's going to put a ton of pressure on him, grind him up against the cage, uh, and just make this a dog fight that suffocates Usman, or excuse me, suffocates Masvidal. That being said, Colby coming off the loss to Usman, beat Tyron Woodley before that, and lost to Usman before that. So here's a main eventer, one and two in his last three, and coming off a loss over on Jorge's side, He's on a two-fight losing streak, both to Kamaru Usman, uh, which, again, I will take this to my grave. I think Usman's beaten the luster off both these guys. But if you want to go back before Usman, Masvidal has put together the best win streak of his career, beating Darren Till, the KO, highlight reel KO over Ben Askren, the flying knee, and then a TKO doctor stoppage against Diaz. So if you want to peel it back all the way to the last three years, Masvidal is three and two. Who you got? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going Colby Covington, and I do think it looks a lot like Usman Masvidal won. And, and look, it's not just because I saw Kamara Usman do that to Jorge Masvidal that makes me feel that way. It's that notoriously Jorge Masvidal has not been great at defending the grappling. Um, you know, like that that's part of what made Ben Askren kind of a dangerous matchup for him. And it's so crazy to say that in retrospect because the fight lasted, you know, a fraction of a second. But at the same time, if that fight goes on long enough, there's a chance Askren just grinds him out for a really long period of time because Askren was an amazing wrestler. And Jorge Masvidal has notoriously been bad at wrestling. I mean, go back to Jorge Masvidal's fight with, uh, with Damian Maia. He had a lot of trouble stuffing Damian Maia's takedowns. And then you go to look at who Damian Maia wasn't able to take down. He wasn't able to take down somebody like uh, Bilal Muhammad, who, don't get me wrong, he's got good wrestling, but Bilal Muhammad stuffed him like 21 times or something like that. So for Jorge Masvidal to have suffered that many takedowns to a guy who's, you know, his wrestling is not great. Now he's going to be fighting a dude who's got the second best wrestling, the 2A wrestling of the welterweight division right now. Of course, you got to obviously, you know, mention Kamza and Sean Brady, who are a little bit less tested. But, like, he's up against a dude who's got legit wrestling. I just think Colby Covington's going to fall on that. I will say this, though, and this is what intrigues me ever so slightly about this matchup. If for some reason, if for some reason out there, Colby Covington is tempted to strike with him to sort of prove some sort of point about being a contender or about... You know, if this rivalry is real and there is real bad blood and he wants to show he can outstrike him, I think that's a terrible move. I think he should be on the feet with him only long enough to back him up against the fence and then take him down. Uh, but I don't think he'll be tempted for that. So that being said, I'm taking Colby Covington. And I also say, check out a decision prop. I don't think he gets a finish. I think that's so on point. I agree with you completely. Let's move on then to the co-main event. It's supposed to be Fizia versus RDA. That didn't happen. Fizia that... Now RDA will be taking Hanato Moicano, uh, taking on Hanato Moicano, and Moicano is on short, short notice. Last fought February 12th, so under a month ago, he had a submission victory via rear naked choke over Alexander Hernandez. Had a rear naked choke submission victory before that, back in June of 2021 against Jai Herbert. He's 2-1 and one in his last three. His last loss back in December of 2020 was to the aforementioned Raphael Fizia via KO. RDA is on a one-fight win streak since jumping back to lightweight. He came back to lightweight and beat Paul Felder via split decision. He had lost up at 170 to Michael Chiesa and Leon Edwards before that, so one and two in his last three. And if you're looking for the betting odds on this, RDA, a minus 190 favorite. Moicano on short notice, plus 150 dog. Who you got? Look, I'm actually going to take Moicano in this. Um, I am extremely worried about how his weight cut is going to go, especially because I just found out when he found out that this fight was available, he was on a 13-hour flight back to Brazil. Uh, and he is going to have to turn around and take a, uh, I think they said a 15-hour flight with, like, layovers and shit to get back to Vegas. So, first of all, I'm worried that he's going to be able to cut weight. I'm worried about, you know, tends to be what happens with fighters who get on lots of planes, the, the likelihood of him possibly getting COVID through all of this. There's lots of things for me to worry about here with Moicano. But I will say this. People sleep on how good Hanato Moicano is. You mentioned the only recent loss since he's moved to lightweight is Rafael Fiziev, a guy who can outstrike him because Moicano's grappling is insane. He's such a good grappler, and we've actually seen him outstrike really good strikers back when he was at, at featherweight. I mean, his losses were to Chan Sung Jung and, and Jose Aldo, and meanwhile, he outstruck Kelvin Cater, the guy who just beat the shit out of Giga Chikadze. 
lost a striking match to Hanato Moicano. So I actually really am, am high on Hanato Moicano. I have been for a really long time. I think he gets the surprise victory here on a quick turnaround. That's as long as this weight cut doesn't go terribly. I know they're going up to 160 pounds to give him a little bit of leeway. Uh, I hope he makes it down without any problems and we get to see the best kind of fight. But this is a super fun style matchup. Uh, agree with you completely. Speaking of super fun style matchups, OMG, what a fight. Bryce Mitchell's taken on Edson Barbosa. Bryce Mitchell, perhaps the dumbest fighter on the roster, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> He's a minus 160 favorite. So much fun to watch, though. I love you, Bryce. Uh, Edson Barbosa, plus 140 dog. Uh, if we peel this back, Mitchell on a trajillion fight win streak, undefeated in the UFC, Coming off a win, unanimous decision over Andre Feely, unanimous decision over Charles Rosa before that. This would obviously be his biggest win to date if he were to be able to take down Edson Barbosa, who's coming off a TKO loss to Giga Chikadze. No shame in that. We're huge Giga fans here. He did beat Edson Barbosa, did beat Shane Burgos and Maquan Americani before that. So he's 2-1 and one in his last three. But if you peel that back before the Americani win, Barbosa was on a three-fight losing streak, losing to the likes of Paul Felder, Justin Gacy, Justin Gaethje, Dan Ige. So in his last uh, six fights, he's two and four, Gumby. And now fighting a rising prospect here. Mitchell is a grappler extraordinaire. I don't even know if his grappling is that good in real life. I just think he's a really good MMA grappler, if that makes sense. Barbosa, you would think, has the advantage on striking. Very interesting matchup here. Mitchell, the favorite. Who are you taking? So first of all, I think he has a massive, massive advantage on the feet over Bryce Mitchell. I think there's a good chance that he gets it done with strikes if he can stay off the mat. Here's the problem. I don't think he can stay off the mat. Bryce Mitchell is incredible when it comes to grappling. I have been thoroughly impressed with him. He has gone in back-to-back fights and just absolutely put it a grappling clinic on against both Andre Feely and Charles Rosa, who, granted, are not as big of names as Edson Barboza, but my God, are they better grapplers than Edson Barboza? And Mitchell was not scared of grappling with either of them. And in fact, he landed a combined 10 takedowns in those two fights, which is just insane. The pace he puts on in the chain wrestling he puts on when he's grappling, I just think it's going to be hard for Edson Barboza to deal with that, especially when you think about Edson Barboza, a guy who gave up three takedowns to Makwan Khani, who gave up takedowns to Dan Ige, who, I mean, like, you remember when we were talking about him being a title challenger, got absolutely smothered by Habib and Kevin Lee back-to-back. And, and again, we're down to weight class. Bryce Mitchell is not Kevin Lee or, or, you know, Habib when it comes to grappling, but I do think he's good enough to get him down a bunch. I think his grappling's phenomenal. Does he get a sub on Edson? I don't think so, but he definitely has got the ability to grind him out for 15. Boom. I really like that call. Uh, Let's get then to our dog of the week. It's uh, a vet, uh, a live dog vet. Uh, Tim Elliott, plus 205. Why do we like him? So I love Tim Elliott over Takira Lombikoff because, uh, listen, uh, Tim Elliott as a plus 205 dog ever is a steal. Dude, I can't believe he's listed as a two to one or underdog, especially against a guy who's only got two career fights. And in both of them was taken down repeatedly. The latter of which he, he won a split decision against Alan Nascimento. So 
don't get me wrong, I, I like Tagir Alambakov. I think he's a good prospect, but why would I favor him in a fight where he is going to get taken down regularly? Tim Elliott is an absolute beast on the mat. I expect him to take down Alambakov enough here, and as we saw when he fought Mighty Mouse or, you know, Brandon Royval or any of those fights, he's a great scrambler, and I just kind of think that's going to be the big difference here, and at 2-1, to one, it's definitely worth dabbling on. I like to dabble. I like to dabble. Let's get to our parlay to play. It's Marina Rodriguez, a minus 275 favorite, coming off an incredible year last year. Pair her together with Dustin Jacoby, a minus 190 favorite. It does get you plus odds, a plus 110. Let's hear it. Yeah, so I think Marina Rodriguez on the feet is just going to be way too much for Yan Xiaonan. I also think Marina Rodriguez showed in that Mackenzie Dern fight that she is just not going to be outgrappled. Like, if she wasn't outgrappled by Mackenzie Dern, Yan Xiaonan doesn't stand much chance. I think the length here is going to be a big issue for Xiaonan. I, I think Marina Rodriguez is just an expert boxer. She was actually my pick at the beginning of the year to hold the straw weight belt at the end of the year. So obviously I'm taking her here as a negative 275 favorite. Also, I don't know how we keep getting Dustin Jacoby against unranked fighters. He hasn't lost in five UFC fights, and now he gets a guy who's only, I think, two and three in the UFC. Uh, so, yeah, obviously I'm favoring Dustin Jacoby. This is a classic power puncher in Michael Olszewski versus a guy who's just going to out-technique him for a whole fight. So, yeah, Jacoby and Marina Rodriguez together and getting plus money, absolute steal. Boom. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Fight Stocks Parlays. We sure like bringing it to you. Let us know on our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA, if we did you right or did you dirty. Uh, we'll be live tweeting during the fights. Join us, will you? Gumby, this train is a rumbling down the tracks. Where do we go next? We're going to transition now to my interview with the aforementioned veteran underdog, Tim Elliott, as he talks about his upcoming fight. But before we do that, I'm going to tell you that this interview is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh, so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Tim Elliott. All right, and joining me now is Tim Elliott, who fights Tagiro Lombakov at UFC 272. That fight is this Saturday, March 5th. So, Tim, you know, this is a little bit later in fight week than I typically talk to people, for those listening to it right now. It is Wednesday. How's fight week going? How are you feeling? How was the arrival and all the, the good stuff towards the beginning of fight week? Man, uh, fight week is great. Uh, it's... Uh, you know, it's really nice now that I don't live in Las Vegas. I'm, I'm really, I enjoy fight week a lot more. Uh, before we would have fight week and I lived here, it was, we'd go back and forth to the house and it, it just didn't really feel like fight week. So now it's, it's, it's kind of old school for me. I feel like I'm back to traveling to Vegas. The mask mandates are over and, and we're, you know, it's, it's fun again. We got fans. I'm ready. Well, I was going to ask you about some of those things, too. Coming back to Vegas, being a place where you trained so long, obviously with Robert Flawless and in all kinds of different facets that were there before and, and aren't anymore, is it is it weird for you to be back? Do you feel like you're you're coming to see a whole bunch of people you haven't seen in a while? Is, are there people you hit up when you're here? What, what's it like during fight week? I um, mean, it's, it's great because it feels like real fight week. Like I said, when I lived here, it, I don't know, it was – I wasn't even staying at the hotel. I would I would go back and stay at my own house, and I never really got those real fight week feels, like going into you know uncharted waters and and like being here in the big city. Um, and now I'm getting all that again. I still got friends here and stuff. I, I still own a house here in Las Vegas, but like I just I don't know. I feel like a professional athlete the way this is going now, and we're back to having fans and and 
yeah, so it's, it's nice. I like to travel a little bit and get out. It was cold in Missouri anyway. And, and you mentioned in there, too, that, that you feel like a professional athlete. Now, you've been doing this for a really long time. You, you've obviously had two stints in the UFC, a title shot, a stint on tough. And just now you're starting to feel like a professional athlete in all this. T- tell me what it's like well, to, to feel that major change at that point in your career. Well, I mean, it wasn't like you said, I've been in it a long time. But uh, for the last two years, I've been fighting in front of no fans. So, like, it's it's like practicing. I'm like, I'm all I hear is myself breathing and my opponent breathing. It's just weird. So like being a professional athlete, I expect to see a bunch of asses in the seats. And now we're finally going to get that on Saturday. Well, that, that is awesome to hear. Now I've heard, you know, obviously conflicting things from different fighters about whether they like that more or what they like that less. Some people like hearing the coaches corners talking a little bit more. They like being able to hear their opponents corners, you know, and, and obviously some people feed off of the crowd. Now you're, you're a guy who's always fed off the crowd from your very first fight in the UFC down in New Jersey. You know, you were a guy who played into the crowd and got the crowd behind you. How hard was that for you, you know, being that you didn't really have the, the crowd to boost you up? Uh, I didn't really understand it until it happened for the first time. And, like, it was like trying to go to practice and really put on a fight performance. It's, it's hard for me to perform. I don't know. I just I felt like even though the pay and everything is still the same, it's – I don't know. It was just different. I felt like uh, – I don't know. I worked my ass off to get to a – point to where people wanted to watch me and then now I'm fighting you know in front of less people than when I was fighting and in, in for Titan FC so uh, just to be able to have that back man is everything to me well and, and that's awesome too so, so let's talk about the ability to fight in front of fans again because you know you're going to get the opportunity UFC 272 at the T-Mobile Arena huge amount of fans what's the facet of that that experience that you're looking forward to the most obviously like you said you know you, you feed off that crowd what what part of it here Man, it's just you don't you don't really get unless you're fighting in Las Vegas you don't really get the real Las Vegas fans and especially if you're fighting at at the Apex Center but like we don't get a chance to once we fight to go sit in the crowd and watch the fight so we get to leave and usually it's just going back and sitting in the hotel but now we're gonna leave and be in Vegas and go watch the fights and, and be amongst the people man and it's like this is the fight capital of the world and like. It, it doesn't matter if people are a fan of you here or not. There's such big fans of fighting that, that they can care less. People want to take a picture. People want to see you. And uh, that's what, it, that's what it feels like to be a professional athlete. And like without fans and without getting to go see the Vegas crowd, man, you don't really get, you don't get that. Well, I love that you're finally getting it. Now I, I want to talk a little bit about the fight too, because you're here fighting to get Rulambikov, a guy who's two and zero in the UFC, but has had kind of mixed results, even though they're both wins, you know, one of them being a split decision where he looked all right, but maybe not terribly good. And the other one being one where, you know, he kind of eked out a decision there too. In both fights, he, he's kind of been a little bit wrestling heavy. Do you expect him to do similar with you? I mean, he, he's going to have to, he, he's going to have to take me down or try to take me down at some point. I think that all he, all he really has is to latch on the guys and kind of hold on to them. But he fought two guys that don't mind being on the back, that are jiu-jitsu guys um, in small cages in Abu Dhabi, you know, with Khabib there. He's not going to have the, you know, the, the, the people behind him uh, like he did there. Uh, it, this, is, this, is my, this is my fan base. This is my, this is my house. This is my town. So uh, it's, it's going to be all favors to me. Well, and you mentioned, too, him being able to sort of just hold people down and, and just 
kind of grind out a decision here. Now, I'm curious, too. Do you feel like you're going to pop back up and beat him on the feed? Do you feel like you're wrestling here, which I think is criminally underrated sometimes, and especially you're scrambling. Do you feel like you have the ability here to, to win a grappling exchange as well? Uh, most definitely. The thing about the other two guys is they just don't, they don't mind being on their back. They'll accept being on their back. They'll accept being held up against the cage. Um, although my last fight wasn't a good indication of, you know, like I did sit on my back in the last fight and it cost me a fight. <clears throat> and uh, it wasn't because he was holding me down. I was accepting being on my back and that shit will never happen again. Well, I like that change in mindset. Now, I did want to ask, too, about, you know, this is the first time with the big crowd, too, that you're going to be working with James Krause, you know, since obviously since the move and moving down there, too. Is there been anything that you've been working with him specifically on that you feel like is going to help you in that kind of environment? Yeah, man, that, that's the great thing about where I'm at now in Kansas City and, and James Krause. Like, not everybody needs the kind of coach that I need, like, I'm not Brandon Moreno. I'm not 23 years old. I can't just outwork. I'm never going to be able to outyoung these guys. You know what I mean? I'm never going to be able to outwork these guys. But what I've been doing for the last four months is skill building. And man, it's, it's making me, it's, it's fun to, to feel like I'm learning again and, and that I'm getting good. And like, that's the only way I'm going to be able to beat these young guys is by game planning and figuring out specific ways to beat specific guys. And James Krause and I have figured out the specific way to beat this guy. Well, I love hearing that, and that that sounds really like, and correct me if I'm wrong, throughout this whole interview, you've been talking about kind of a renewed energy in both having the fans around you and being that there are going to be more events like that, and skill building, it kind of plays into that same idea. You you sound like a new person, Tim, so I got to ask, too, you know, like, you're you're a guy, we, we talked about it, you, you've been in this career for a while, where do you feel like you fit in your career right now? Do you feel like you've got tons more fights under the belt, or what what, what are you looking at? Uh, I got I got six fights on my contract, and I I would I would love to be able to fight these six out. And and who knows, man? The way the division is right now, cha- things are changing. Like people are excited about the flyweights, and uh, as long as I can uh, stay healthy, then I, I want to keep fighting. I'm I'm not one of those guys that just fights for the money. I fight because I like it. I, I like to fight. I like to compete, um, and uh, I want to do that as long as possible. As long as the UFC keeps me around, I'm going to keep fighting. Well, I'd love to hear that, and we love to hear that as big fans of you. So now, I do always like to ask before I let fighters go for a prediction. You you obviously said you don't think he can hold you down, that you think you've got the huge advantage on the feet. But how do you see this one ending with Takiru Lombakov on March 5th? You know, although I think he will have a hard time taking me down, although I think this is, this is going to be a tough outing for him, uh, in the same sense, he's going to be a hard guy to finish. I don't see me catching him in a submission. Uh, he's those... Those Russian guys are really tough. I don't see them, you know, getting knocked out easily. I see this being a, a three-round uh, a, a war of attrition. And uh, uh, who had who has the better cardio and who had the better weight cut? And uh, I, I'm, I'm willing to go in there and test that on Saturday. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Ben Tim Elliott, who fights Tagiru Lombokov at UFC 272 this Saturday, March 5th, on the UFC pay-per-view live in front of the T-Mobile arena. Tim, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Yo, man, thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turn on MMA podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, again for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also wouldn't have a show without our fine sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Than Vegas, and, of course, Double Nickel Sports Betting. 
And remember that you guys can check us out elsewhere on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. We certainly appreciate the follows. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will catch you then.